high school. Somersaults, you've never seen your money dance like that, and you take it out. But 20 years is the time horizon. Number two is the rate of savings, and number three is the rate of return. When I make an investment, I want to be an owner. And ownership is not about a short-term play. Just think if you actually bought a franchise and you put somebody in that franchise and on day one, they were selling, let's say, 20 hamburgers. Then in two years, they were selling 300 hamburgers. Why would you sell the franchise if it's actually delivering for you? So what I will say is that the reason I held though had to do with mentorship. I watched my investment go from 100,000 to 350,000. And I remember a conversation I had with my mentor. I said, hey, look, man, I took your advice. And man, 100,000 to 350. I'm gonna cash out, get something nice for my mom. And he gave me an ultimatum at that time. He said, Ryan, listen, you can go ahead and cash out, give something nice to your mom, but we'll shake hands and I'll never teach you anything again. Or you figure out a different way to give something nice to your mom and hold on to that investment. And we'll check in every single year around tax time and we'll see what it grows to. And when we checked in this year, that 100,000, I got it on my birthday, September 25th, 2009. That 100,000 was just under 16 million. And if I hadn't... Oh, don't let that, that, don't let that go over your head. Clap it up for that, ladies and gentlemen. But that's the difference that mentorship makes. Because for me, if it was up to me, I look in the mirror, I'm thinking, man, I'm smart. I, I made a great investment. It's giving me a great return. And sometimes the lens of expertise and the lens of experience can actually provide you wings that allow you to fly further than you can fly on your own. And so that's why I think, first and foremost, when I look at a company, I want to be in a company that when I look around, I use it every day and the people I love, they can't live without it. So when I'm looking at Instagram, I want to be an owner in Facebook. When I'm looking at devices that I'm seeing all around, I want to be an owner in that company. When I'm seeing the, the, the platform that I'm able to even listen to podcasts on, I want to be an owner. And you got to give the business time to materialize into the growth that you're looking for because you want your money to work for you. So give give the business the time to grow. Does, does that sound familiar? If anybody watches Market Monday, this is the same thing that we've been saying for a very long time. You gotta buy good companies, hold them for 20 years, tech companies. So these things that you keep hearing, as he said, it was mentorship. So you can get mentorship in a variety of different ways. So when you receive the information online, it's important to take heed to that because that 100,000 to 350, it's a great flip, but 100,000 to 16 million is a out of this world flip. Different, <laughs> a little different. And I say this, like, honestly, when, when you think about it, man, think about the, the companies that have done extremely well. They've always done well over a 20 to 30 year time horizon. 
and I want you to think, if you got into Amazon when it first IPO, when you got into Monster Energy when it first IPO, if you would have sold at a thousand percent, I'm talking about 10x your money, you would have left tens of thousands of percent on the table. And the beautiful piece about money is when you put it to work for you, it's one of the greatest employees because it never has a sick day. It never goes on vacation. It never asks for time off. It never gets old. It never gets weak. It's always there to keep working for you unless you actually go ahead and cash out. So when you actually earn the money and you put it to work, let it be your greatest employee. And don't let it just be one. If I told you right now that the way that the stock market works is non-discriminatory. The 20% that you'll make in a year is the same 20% that's afforded to Warren Buffett or any other hedge fund. The difference is how many dollars do you have growing by 20%? If you got $100, well then that's $20. If you got 100,000, well that's 20,000. If you got a million, well that's 200,000. If you got 10 million, well y'all can continue to do the math. So when you actually earn the money, understand it's like a, a lifetime robot level employee that will always, always, always work for you. So give it the time to manifest into the wealth that you wanted to create. There you have it. Yes, clap it up for that. Hill Harper, let me ask you this question. Um, the first question is going to be very simple. Why Bitcoin? Why Bitcoin? I know you're, you're a Bitcoin bull. You're extremely bullish on Bitcoin. You built a platform. We're going to talk about the Black Wall Street, but why Bitcoin? You know, Bitcoin is ostensibly a store of value and uh, a perfect form of, of money. And money is changing. It's changing very rapidly. We're moving very quickly out of fiat and hard money currency into digital currency and cryptocurrency. The question is, where is it headed and how can we be early adopters and get into the, to the space? Ryan is just talking about owning. The beautiful thing about Bitcoin is that as Ryan just described, it is agnostic to race. It's agnostic to barriers of entry. It's literally just real estate on a blockchain real estate on a ledger and if you purchase a set number of satoshis you own a little bit of that real estate and it's a finite amount what creates value is scarcity that's why waterfront real estate is extremely valuable it's more valuable than the real estate that's inland because there's more inland properties than waterfront property scarcity drives value and Bitcoin is the most scarce crypto asset out there. 21 million be minted. There'll be at least three to five million lost or disappear. So you're really talking about in, in real ways, somewhere around 18 million Bitcoin um, um, in, 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 in any type of circulated supply. There are 48 million millionaires in the world. There's not enough Bitcoin to go for each millionaire to even hold one. You know, we will be talking about Satoshi's in the future, not even talking about Bitcoin. But Bitcoin isn't the only asset class in this space, but it is the one 
to enter into now. That's why my goal is that each black person in America holds at least a million Satoshis. Quick show of hands, who has at least a million Satoshis in their wallet right now? Back in the day, gold was valued in terms of bricks, like how many bricks you got or in terms of weight, right? And then as bricks got so expensive, they had to have a smaller fractal value of the gold. So they broke it down into pricing gold into ounces. The same thing is true for a Satoshi. There are 100 million Satoshis in every one Bitcoin. Just like there are 100 pennies in a dollar, there are 100 million Satoshis that make up one Bitcoin. So what does that mean? What it means is a Satoshi is a, a 100 million fractal share of one Bitcoin. So as you build your Satoshis, you don't need to just go out and buy a Bitcoin. I can go into the Black Wall Street wallet right now, check the current price of Bitcoin. It is right now real time, uh, Forty-eight thousand seven hundred and thirty and seventy-five cents, right? And and and, and so if I want to buy right now live, I'm gonna buy ten dollars. I'm gonna preview my buy. I go in, I confirm, and then now I just bought point oh 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 two oh 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 eight two Bitcoin. Right, I just did that, right? And so a Satoshi is a fractal share of a Bitcoin. So I just bought Satoshi. I bought a fractal share of a Bitcoin right here on stage. And so I, my goal is to have every black person in America hold at least 1 million Satoshi. With, four, with, with basically 40 million of us in this country, if we held a million Satoshis each, we would literally control the Bitcoin market worldwide. People would have to come through us. And it'd be the first time in history that black Americans have controlled an asset class. And when you start controlling asset classes, you're able to do what? Set price. And if we're able to set price of a valuable ascending value asset class, we have the other thing that's very important, leverage. Leverage is the critical piece. And so what I love what Ryan's talking about, he's talking about ownership. I'm talking about ownership. And, and, and if you think about ownership, we need to strategically own ascending value asset classes like high value blue chip stocks and hold them for long term, like ascending value asset class, like Bitcoin, hold it long term. This is not a trading mentality. This is not Robin Hood. Robin Hood is Robin the Hood, y'all. It's trying to get people to trade because what is it, how do they make their money? They make their money off exchange. The more you trade, the more money they make. They want you jumping in and out of position. That is not the way to build wealth. I never want you to sell the Bitcoin you buy. What, what are you going to do with it? You say, hey, well, I still need liquidity. Sure, you still need liquidity. What are you going to do? You're going to buy it. You're going to hold it. And then on the platform, you're going to take out a loan against the equity or the upside of that asset. You're never going to sell it. And you're going to pass that Bitcoin on to your children. And they'll pass it on to their children's children. You can just think of Bitcoin like wealthy people used to think of houses, right? 
you get these real high value mansions, they're not flipping in and out of the house to extract the liquidity. They're holding the house and then just taking the equity out and reinvesting that equity into other assets and or liquidity challenges that they may have. Think about the same way you're gonna be able to do that with Bitcoin on the Black Wall Street platform. Um, speaking of that, yes, clap it up for that, ladies and gentlemen. Speaking of that, speaking of Bitcoin, so Ryan, going back to you, you had 16,000% rate of return on Apple, but I believe you have a 32,000% rate of return on Bitcoin, right? Is that correct? That's right. All right. So uh, you was obviously earlier investing in Bitcoin as well. So when did you when did you first invest in Bitcoin? Yeah. Any anytime I have an interview or anytime I actually run into anyone, they always say, "Hey Ryan, man, I heard about your laptop." Well, that laptop was a whole story in and of itself. And um, I was working on some music, and I lost the files. So when you work on music, it's not enough to just have the finished record you need to file. So my laptop went missing. I put up a million dollars as a reward for the return of the intellectual property. Because who wants to pay a million dollars for a laptop? You could just go to Apple, get one for $2,000. Well, the laptop turned up, long story short, and uh, the gentleman who found the laptop actually sued me to actually retrieve that reward, $1 million. And he actually won in, in New York court. And the next day, I was on the cover of the New York Post. I sent it to my mom. She said, at least you look nice. I, re I remember that. Yeah. I had, I had a nice suit on, right? But the headline was, Rap Weasel, first of all, Rap Weasel, does that look like me? <laughs> Rap Weasel must pay one million. And then the next day, I went to just go ahead and get a breakfast sandwich, and uh, it's the same place I go every day. And today, this guy who was behind the counter, he wanted to take a picture with me. I said, well, I come here every day. Why do you want to take a picture with me? He said, well, because you're on the cover of the New York Post. You're the rap weasel. Okay, all right. You want to take a picture? Okay. But the reason why that story is so important is because when you lose a judgment, well, then the federal government or the state government can just come in and freeze your assets. And so upon losing that $1 million lawsuit, they froze $2.3 million in my account. And that was in November of 2012. And that was the moment at which I started to think, man, you know, do I really want a centralized currency to actually be controlled? And I'm talking about they just took double, I only lost a million, why you take 2.3, right? So I said, look, we gotta find a different way. And luckily at that time, you know, I'm an astute student of the game. And uh, if, you, if you look back, all of this is verified. Look back in June, 2013, I put out a tweet. I said, from now on, pay me in Bitcoin, 2013. And what happened was I had a Shopify store, 2013. So I'm early in Shopify. And Bitcoin became the means by which I wanted to be paid, and I still do that to this day. But to give you a case in point, I sold an album. 
$5. Today it's worth like $700. I sold a hoodie, $47. Today it's worth like $6,000. I sold a couple of meat and grease. Total price, $2,000. Today it's worth like $122,000. And that's just the differentiation of being able to get in early. And I know some of y'all might be thinking like, man, I can't turn the time back to 2013, but I'll tell you right now, even if you buy some Satoshis today, you're still early. But you don't want to be amongst the folks that say, you know what? Today was either just a footnote in the history of my life, or it was a game changer, a life changer. And when we talk about assets, and when we talk about ownership, and we talk about being able to buy fractionally, and being an asset class where there is scarcity. That's what that opportunity in cryptocurrency provides. And so, yeah, 32,000% return, yeah. When I got into Bitcoin, it was trading at about $122 per coin. We just looked at the price as 48,000. Y'all could do the math. How much How much money did you put it in? What's your, we ain't got to do <laughs> Hey, you really, and let me say something, this is so, this is so important what he's saying, and I, and I gotta, I gotta reinforce it, y'all. This isn't just about individuals making money. Okay, this is, this is about life or death, and, and this is real talk. In 1863, when the Emancipation Proclamation was signed, black people in America held a little less than one percent of American wealth. That's after 400 years of free chattel slavery and the greatest wealth transfer in the history of this world happened if you were despicable enough to want to hold property to literally extract value from people who had melanated skin they killed us they murdered us they raped us they separated families to build wealth now fast forward 158 years later to right now august 2021 People say, oh, hell, man, let's just talk about making money. Don't get too heavy. No, 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 no. You, you, we, we have to speak truth to this. This country is built off the back of our labor and it's built off of building wealth off of us. And we right now still hold only 1% of American wealth. We have to collectively work together, jump into asset classes, and start building leverage that is decentralized, exactly what we were talking about. The idea of operating our own microeconomies outside of centralized institutions and the, and the banking system, which has literally stolen trillions of dollars out of the black community through un, all sorts of onerous, racist, and institutionally systemic and racist policies, procedures, redlining. We can go through all that history. We don't need to, but we know where we're at now. What he's talking about, what we're talking about right now is literally about life or death. It's not just about, hey man, can I come up 16,000%? Can I come up 32,000%? No, no, no. How can we work together to actually start to control real wealth? Because why is real wealth important? I believe you cannot have social justice without economic justice. So all the stuff we've been talking about, we talk about mass incarceration, police brutality, healthcare disparity, education gaps. If you trace it back to the money, what are the communities that are hit the hardest? 
economically fragile and poor community. We change the wealth factor in our community. We change all that other stuff. We get, we get it wrong. We start trying to work on all these things from the top. We got to start at the root, which is the money and the economics. Let's go, y'all. Let's go.